What up? Oh, How we doing? It probably would help if I put my mic in front of my mouth. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Wait, did you say put your, put your mic in your mouth? In my mouth. In your mouth? In my mouth. You shouldn't do that. I'm just warning you, you might choke on it. Okay, well, it's it's in all right. It's in front of my mouth. It was it was next to the top of my head, and that wasn't that didn't seem to work very well. No, usually it doesn't. So, uh, John, Brad, is Brad here? Yes. Okay, so this is this is Larry from the Chicago Bears review. We actually that just was, sounds like Brian him. though. It doesn't sound like Larry. <laughs> my God, Larry sounds a lot like, like Brian. So that's what I'll this is going to be like, you. huh? Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Fourth and Short podcast. This is Brian. I'm here with John and Brad. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing, doing great. I hope Couldn't you're proud be of us. I hope you're proud of us for not interrupting you anymore because it's it's tempting. I was just yeah. about to say I was very <laughs> impressed by the fact that I didn't have to fight through someone interrupting me during the interrupt during the uh, introduction there. So that was good. I even muted true. my mic so I wouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I muted my mic and I interrupted you. Like I started talking and I just plugged it back in when I finished. So you I just hear. picture the two of you shouting at the top of your lungs <laughs> into a muted mic. Yeah. While I'm talking. All right. So lucky for us, we managed to find a guest for this week's podcast to talk about the Bears playing the Panthers. So we have Larry Dyer here from the Chicago Bears Review. Larry, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good, guys. How are we doing? Um, Larry, are you prepared to answer a lot of questions about John Fox? Um, I'm actually sick of talking about John Fox. Um, oh, good, you, know, you guys. Uh, every question we have is going to be about John Fox. So. <laughs> and to give Larry some credit where credit's due, he uh, just had me on to his podcast uh, not even 45 minutes ago or so, and I asked him, I mentioned quite a few things about John Fox, so he's going to get a double dose of that. Um, you have to understand, anyway. we're, he, he was our coach for what, like 10 years? Nine years, something yeah, like yeah. that. So yeah, you had to endure him a lot longer than we have. If he keeps this up, this will be uh, he'll be he'll be three and out for us. Yeah, so like a third of the time that we had to deal with it. Right. Well, anyway, Brian, <laughs> go ahead, Brian. Did you have anything you wanted to lead off with? Um, I mean, did we want to talk about the Eagles game at all? Since uh, we can do that later. We can we can we can talk about that later since it was rough. Okay. It was yeah, and then I don't think Larry cares to hear about our our musings about the Panthers losing like a, a year and a half ago now at this point. <laughs> a year and a half ago. It was a long time, is what I'm trying to say here, Ryan. I'm exaggerating. Yeah, I gathered that. <laughs> um. All right. Well, obviously, Panthers coming up. They're four and two. Yes. Bears have won what? One, two games right now? 
Uh, we won two. We are currently undefeated against the AFC North. We beat the Steelers and the Ravens. That right there is impressive, by that, the way. <laughs> that's a big, big time stat drop. Um, yeah. Thank you. Also, I, super. I, I'm, I'm good for that. That's, yeah. Super impressive division to be 2 0 against as well. Yeah, especially since it was the Steelers and the Ravens and not the Bengals and the Browns. So yeah. I mean, we still have left. We still have them left to go in the second half. Yes, yeah, so they do have a very good chance they of actually going four and four and zero at that point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what are the odds that you guys go four and twelve, all four wins being in the AFC North? Um, well, considering how uh, how we like to uh, turn the football over and penalize ourselves to death, um, I wouldn't bet against it. That's for sure. <laughs> I feel like you can still steal a win from one of the other NFC North teams just because that seems to always happen. And you play the 49ers. That would be nice. Yeah. Or are you at the point where you want – or like, okay, so this is a thing that's happened a lot to the Panthers since we're always we're really good at starting seasons like 2-8 and eight, and then <laughs> and then winning the last six games. Uh, right. Are you rooting for like good-looking losses or do you, you know, want the team to win every week? No, I, I'm not that guy that's praying for his team to lose or, you know, the whole uh, tanking for draft picks thing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm like Dom, Dom Toretto. I, I live my life one quarter mile at a time. I'm the, the guy that's one Sunday at a time. I, I'm worried about the game in, in front of us. Like, I, I honestly don't expect to win on Sunday against the Panthers, but I still want us to. Yeah, it's like, it's like you want to win, and then even when you don't, it's like, eh, there's a bright side to this since we aren't playing for much anyway probably this season yeah there's there's always a silver lining to losing especially with the way the bears do it but um <laughs> you know you still don't want them to lose that's for sure yeah it's more fun to watch football when the team is winning that is correct anybody else okay so so you turn the football over a lot you said we do. We we were we were quite good at it, especially when Mike Glennon was our quarterback. <laughs> well, you're not Mike Glennon as your quarterback anymore. But no, that's, that's good to hear. Because no. how many turnovers have for us this year? Three? Panthers have two, two or three. Yeah. I'm about to pull it up because I have the internet. Yeah, we had uh, we had eight in three games uh, with Glennon. God. And Trubisky has turned the ball over three times. Two of them were he was hit from behind sack fumbles. So he threw one interception against the Vikings, and he's twice been uh, hit from behind and fumbled the ball. So those you can't really blame on the quarterback when he doesn't see the guy coming. But, um, you know, that's, what, 11 turnovers in three games? You have... Yeah, six games, sorry. Where's Chicago? Can't find your name. You're not in the NFL anymore? Oh, yeah, I'm (laughs) I'm looking at the wrong thing. Hold on. Oh, yeah, you have 14. Fourteen. Okay, right. That's, well, I forgot we we, we got a, probably a special teams turnover or two in there somewhere. Yeah. So you have you're only behind Cleveland in terms of uh, turnovers. Oh well, there's something to shoot for. That's 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 redeeming, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if it, if it makes you feel any better, so yeah, we we don't them. suck as bad as Cleveland. That's awesome. Yeah, you got, yeah. yeah, you have like infinite times as many wins, and yeah, you're better at taking <laughs> care of the ball. Um, if yeah. it makes you feel any yeah, better, yeah. the Panthers have forced four turnovers this year. Which is better than four. exactly one team. And that is, is that players. including uh is that including fourth uh fourth down? No, or else we'd have turnovers? like thirty five. Where are the other turnovers? Because like I know Luke has one interception and Julius Peppers had a forced fumble last week. Where are the other two? That's we what have, I was thinking. Detroit had a, we forced a fumble on Detroit. 
and we had uh, we forced two turnovers against San Francisco. I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, we had a fumble. We had a sack fumble and an interception in San Francisco, and then we had a fumble recovery in each of uh, Philadelphia and um, Detroit. Yeah, okay. I think it's because we thought that San Francisco was a preseason game, and that's why we didn't <laughs> account for that. It does seem yeah. like a long time ago. Yeah. So that's going to be well, a fun yeah. little, little fun little matchup there, is the team that can't stop turning the ball over against the team that can't force turnovers. Like, uh, something's got to give. Yeah, that does. Uh, that's uh, and it always seems that it's the the Bears who end up giving on that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, I, what I what I've always enjoyed, you know, and this is me just being the pessimistic old negative Bear fan, is that I always love it when when a team comes in and be like, hey, one of the great weaknesses of this football team is that they cannot run the football, and then they pound it down the Bears' throat for two hundred and fifty yards. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the kind of thing that happens. So, you guys have come in. You guys can't create turnovers. You'll get six on Sunday. I, I promise. We you. also can't run the football. Does that mean that we will? Uh, yeah, it's the, it, it, it always seems many yards, many yards. Yeah, it always seems that whatever ails a team, you know, whether it be they're the most penalized team in, in the league, they won't get one yellow flag the whole game. Whether you know they can't stop getting the quarterback sack, the guy will have the cleanest uniform on the <laughs> team. After the after the game on Sunday, so I mean it. It always just seems that it's funny that way. Like I remember one one game against the Redskins a few years back. Um, whoever the running back was had never had a multi touchdown game in his eight year career. He scored three against the Bears that day. So <laughs> he never had two before, and then he had yeah, three. never had a two touchdown game in his entire eight year NFL career, and he scored three against the Bears that day. So you're just like you know that's off. funny. I, I seem to remember a lot of that happening for for the Panthers from 2002 to 2010. So <laughs> I wonder if there's like thread. a common you know common thread there. Maybe, maybe. I think maybe. it's just coincidence. That's one hell of a coincidence, if it, if it is. <laughs> it sounds like the, the issue that we have even now in the present day where uh, we, we're we really good at – we're also very good at making teams really good at what they're normally really bad at. Oh. Like like coming yeah. into the Saints game, for example, this year, the Saints had, had like an extraordinarily historically bad defense against deep passes, and we came out and like threw nothing but checkdowns and couldn't complete a deep pass to save our lives. Huh. So I don't know. Maybe so we, we're we're kind of uh, two peas in a pod here. <laughs> it also has kind of been like bizarro world in the NFL this year, though, too. So I mean, Brian and I were talking about it when he was on on the show earlier. Was that you know you guys go into the Superdome, you lose to the Saints, and then you know you beat the you beat the Patriots at home in Foxborough. You know, yeah, we're like good that's, at that. We're also very good at yeah, that. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the kind of thing that's been going on this year. Can you hold on a second there? Sure. Brian, we can hear you. Yeah, mute your mic. <laughs> ah, so rude. To I guess you can hear me. Well, you, yes, we could. We You're having talking. a conversation with somebody <laughs> else, dude. Oh, boy. Anyway. Um, You're a terrible host, Brian. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I, I, I'm Brian. I ask questions to start a discussion, and then I put my mic down and talk to my friends. What we're seeing now, I lost my train of thought. Yes, the NFL has been has been wacky this year. It's it's uh like like last week the Broncos are like uh, going into the game with the Broncos and Giants. It's like, well, the Giants are gonna 
you know, throw for negative five yards, and Eli Manning's going to get sacked 12 <laughs> times because they're, they have no receivers, and the DeMarcos have the best defense in the NFL. So, of course, yeah. the Broncos lost. The 23 lost. to 10. So, I mean, yeah. it's not like it was a down-to-the-wire, you know, struggle mm. to the finish. It was, you know, the Broncos didn't score that touchdown until there was four minutes left to go in the game. Yeah, they got dominated by the team that hasn't won a game yet, and they were looking right. like one of the best teams. At home. Mm-hmm. You know, the Broncos, one of the best home teams in football, and they got their asses handed to them <laughs> by the by an Owen five team that hadn't were pulling receivers off the street. Like as they're walking, into the, hey, you want to <laughs> catch some balls for us today? Come on, hey, we'll hey. put a uniform on you. You get out there. We'll catch some passes. Yeah, you're the tallest guy to walk by the stadium so far today. You're our number two wide receiver now. So, yeah, I mean, that's but that's how crazy it's been. I mean, who would have thought that? Uh, you know, Jacksonville would 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 pace the Ravens forty four to seven in that game in in London a few weeks ago. The, I mean, Jaguars, it just, the Jaguars are a microcosm of the NFL this year because they, yeah. they they will either like steamroll team or get steamrolled. There, there is no middle ground for them. Yeah, because then they got killed by the Titans like the week after, and then go on the road to Pittsburgh and murder the Steelers yeah. in Heinz Field. So I mean, you're right. They they are a microcosm of how crazy the year's been so far. And then you find yourself on a Sunday looking forward to the four o'clock matchup between the Rams at the Jaguars. And you're like, what is what is this NFL? And both yeah. franchises are happy about that because both teams are actually they both have a shot to win the game. I know. It's, it was that's that's some weird it's stuff. Crazy. Yeah. Do you like Mitch Trubisky? Mitchell? Mitchell Trubisky? You know what? I do. Um I fought it kicking and screaming, to be honest with you, because I just did not think, and I've been proven right in the interim, that the Bears were ready to take on a young quarterback. Oh, like that, they just, the supporting you know, pass isn't there? Yeah, I mean, all we have is Jordan Howard on offense. That's all we have. Mm-hmm. you know. And then our, our wide receiver, Kevin White, you know, got hurt getting out of bed one day again. And then, <laughs> you know, we lose Cameron <laughs> Meredith in the preseason. That was an actual legit injury. And then the rest of the guys, it's, uh, you know, have you ever heard of this person at wide receiver? Um, and we don't, yeah. And we don't have anyone else. And then Cameron Meredith gets hurt. Kevin White goes down and we have no other receivers. And we watch the bears run the ball 40 times a game. Yeah. Go ahead, Brian. Well, I was, I was going to get into a a much larger point that Larry and I actually touched on, um, when we were talking. So I figured John, go ahead and finish up what you're going to say. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I, looked at your guys' box score from last week, and Trubisky threw, I think, like, what, 16 passes or something like that? Yep, and if and, it wasn't for overtime, it would have been, like, 12 or something like that. He would have finished the game with less than 100 yards passing. Yeah, and then we Howard, Howard and Cohen combined for 50 carries. Like, Howard had, what, 36, and Cohen had 14, I think. Yeah. Some things never change, man. <laughs> that is that is a John Fox football game to, to the T. I mean, you could... You could put that box score in a time capsule, and like 50 years from now, people will look at it and say that had to be John Fox. Like right. it's like that. We're so used to seeing that crap here in Carolina, so we we feel your pain. Oh, if you look at old box scores from when Jake Delhomme was here, every now and then you can find some like random game in 2006 where the Panthers won like 20 to uh, 20 to 10, and. Jake DeLome had like 84 yards passing and completed like 30% of his passes and Stuart Williams combined for like 60 carries. Yeah, we had yeah. one game where D'Angelo Williams ran the Wildcat the entire game. <laughs> like the quarterback threw like five passes the whole game. That was, um, only a, so, that was, that, was, that, was that, who was our quarterback? 
are supposed I think to that was them. that was back in the Chris Winky day, if I remember right. I mean, mm. that was that was a long time ago. Ooh. Those were some thin days, weren't Chris they? Chris Winky days. <laughs> Not good days. I mean, you've you've been yeah. there too. It was a Bears fan. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there was. Uh, there's been a lot of. Uh, I mean, they they play the stat every time. I mean, if you want to see the stat again, just wait till the Bears and the Packers play on Week Ten when they always talk about how. You know, the Packers have only had five starting quarterbacks in the last 45 years, and the Bears have started 27 quarterbacks in the last 26 years. So, I mean, it's just, you know, it, it's amazing how many. the the, the And the fact, that, and what makes that even funnier is that we had Cutler for nine years. <laughs> so there's, yet, there was and, one year where you had, like, one yeah, quarterback, or many years yeah. you had one quarterback. So, I mean, Cutler missed a game here and there, so, you know, they, they had other quarterbacks to add to the total. But we had a solid quarter, starting number one quarterback as far as a guy that was on the field every week, and yet we still have like 29 quarterbacks that have started since 92 when Brett Favre took over in, in Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers took over in 08 or, or whatever it was. So. Yeah. so who's your favorite shitty Bears quarterback of all time, and why is it Ooh. Rex Gross? Actually, that's a great question. Um, my favorite shitty Bears quarterback... I'm going to have to go with, um, oh, God, the, oh, because he was, he was the quarterback for like five weeks. He had like three games in a row. He was a quarterback at Ohio State. Um, we got him in like the fifth round, and then it's like we had like the worst quarterback oh, room in the history like of football. Krenzel or something yes, like that? Yes, Craig Krenzel. Yes. That's it. Yeah, Craig I think for the Bears. Ohio State. Yeah, we drafted him in like the fifth round of his rookie year. He started like in the middle of the season, like six or seven games, and he won the first three. He went three and zero against teams he had no business beating, and he was like this dynamo. And anyone who does anything well, I mean, Bear fans are such whores for good quarterback play that <laughs> Craig Krenzel was the he was the king of Chicago for like a month and a half. So you know, That's... he won those first three games. It was like oh my, and there was Lovey Smith's first year as head coach in 04 and that was the one where it's like he had this huge this huge start with a 3 and 0 beginning and then he lost like four straight or whatever to finish things off so it, he would probably he would probably rank up there we had fun with him so here's here's a great bears panthers quarterback uh anecdote we played you guys in 2010 which was our favorite yep. season of all time uh, <laughs> four quarterbacks played in that game their names are Matt Moore Jimmy Clausen, Todd Collins, Caleb Haney. The oh, God, <laughs> I remember that game like it was yesterday. We, we combined, both teams combined for 91 yards passing. Yeah. What was I the remember, final score of that game? 23-6 to six because of Matt Forte. Yeah, Forte okay. had like 100 yards rushing in the first quarter of that game. Yeah, I remember, it was, yeah, I remember getting beat bad, but I couldn't remember what the score was. Those were fun times. I just remember thinking, oh, Ed Johnson might be a good defensive tackle, and then that game happened. I was like, oh, never mind. Todd Collins was 6 of 16 for 32 yards and four interceptions, and they won. Didn't he yeah. get hurt, and that's why they switched to and Haney? that's why they put Caleb Haney in. Yeah. Came out Mercifully lit- got hurt. Mercifully <laughs> he got hurt. And lit it on fire, completed two out of three passes for 19 yards. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> the only person in the, the only one of the four quarterbacks to complete more than half his passes in that game. That is, and people say the NFL, the quality of the NFL has gone down. That's that's a bunch of hooey. <laughs> so the point that I was going to touch on earlier about quarterbacks, since we're talking about 
quarterbacks at this point was uh, Larry and I got a little bit into this during his podcast, but it seems like these days most teams are starting to commit to the idea of, like, you need a franchise quarterback to win. Do you guys disagree with that? No. No. So it seems like nowadays teams are willing to draft to give out two to three years worth of like heavy draft capital to get those quarterbacks. And obviously the bears just did a similar move just to move up one spot to get Mitch Trubisky. And they already, they committed a lot of capital to Mike Lennon as well as a backup. And what I was talking about is, you know, throwing those guys to the wolves and, Trubisky obviously threw 16 passes last week, and that was only because they went to overtimes. So they played five quarters of football, and he threw 16 passes. To put that in perspective, that's roughly three point something passes per quarter. Um, but we saw it happen with a lot of other quarterbacks where teams either traded up or spent the number one pick on them. And uh, the two that I can think of off the top of my head are RG3 and uh, David Carr. Um, David Carr? David Carr. I, I said David Carr, right? Yeah, yep, you did. Too. Yeah, so yeah, I thought you meant Derek Carr too, but no, no. Derek oh, Carr. I get what you're saying. Pick. I get what yeah. you're saying in terms of like so, throwing them to the wolves and then they get messed up. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I'm following you now, Ryan. Like RG three was thrown to the wolves. He played his first season. They had you know they went to the playoffs, but then his second season they didn't really improve all that much, and he ended up getting hurt. And David Carr showed in his first few years that he could be a good quarterback in the NFL, but he got sacked so many times that. He came to Carolina. We all saw it. He was not nearly the quarterback he could have been. He was, you know, happy feet, essentially. And uh, another guy I think of is Andrew Luck, who obviously is, you know, a good quarterback, but he's been hurt a lot throughout his career. He's thrown more passes when he is playing than, like, any other quarterback in the league. And now he's not. he may not even play this year because of the shoulder injury. And I guess what I was thinking, what I was, what the point that I was getting at with that was, is it wise to, like, obviously when a team invests that much in quarterback, they want them to play right away. But is it wise to throw them there? Because Cam Newton came out, and he was and he was essentially thrown to the Wolves, but he also had more of a complete offense around him than most of these quarterbacks get in his first two seasons. And after, after that, he had a top 10 defense around him. So what are you guys' thoughts on that? I'll start with... Uh, whoever, I, Brad, whoever was about to talk, that's you. I've been talking too much, good, Brad. Uh, I was going to say, I think it depends on the situation because uh, it's it's really a nuanced answer because, like, just take, for example, Aaron Rodgers. You know, he was drafted because Brett Favre was, like, 70 years old. And they sat him for three years before they, they put him in. If you've already got a team and you've got a defense that, you know, can keep you in games. And if you've got most of all the pieces and all you really need is a quarterback, it's it's kind of smart to just sit the rookie for a year um, at least. You know, you can find somebody like Mike Glennon, like Derek Anderson, like um, I'm running out of names of crappy Case quarterbacks. Okay, too much. Case Keenum. You know, you can find a guy like that who can play – for one year, two years, and they know that, you know, you're here to do a specific job. You're not going to be here very long. This guy is the future. We just need you to be the bridge to get us there. And you can find success. But uh, I, I think if you can afford to do that, you should. 
Um, you know, it's very rare that teams can afford to do that, though. It, you, you find situations like Indianapolis was a couple of years ago when Peyton Manning got hurt and they, they ended up getting the number one draft pick and Andrew Luck as a result because, you know, of collusion and all that nonsense. But, <laughs> Is that what that was? Um, that's what it was, yeah. Um, you know, Andrew Luck should be our quarterback, but, you know, thankfully he's not. Um, there's a hot take for you. But anyway, um, <laughs> but if you're a team like Cleveland, uh, like um, the Rams were when they had Jeff Fisher, uh, you can't afford to let a quarterback sit. You have to put him in. Uh, you, you, if for no other reason than to keep your fan base interested in what you're doing, because nobody likes to watch a team lose, but fans are more willing to watch a team lose with a rookie quarterback because they have hope. Um, I, I think we're seeing that in Chicago, for example, with, with Mitch Trubisky, uh, you know, most bears fans. And I think Larry can back me up on this. They know that as long as John Fox is in charge, they have no hope whatsoever of doing much of anything at all. Just like we felt in about 2008-ish, you know, we started realizing we were never going to get anywhere. And But they have Trubisky, so they have hope. They have the hope that they can get a coach next year that can take what they have and actually do something with it, like the Rams. You know, it, it shows how yeah. how much of a difference a coach makes. You take the exact same roster with maybe one or two different players with with Jeff Fisher, they're a four and twelve team, and with uh, Sean McVay, they're actually a really good team and could win the division. They're the and top they scoring play, offense in the NFL right now. Yeah, they're the best offense in the league. They and they played their rookie quarterback, you know. So, it's, and they've already they've already matched last year's win total. They're four they've, and yeah, two they've right already now. matched last year's win total in this week seven. So, you know, it like I said at the beginning. And, and then rambled too much. It's it's a nuanced <laughs> answer. You you can't you can't say every team has to do it this particular way. You have to look at it at a case by case basis. But most of the time, you should sit the quarterback if you can afford to. What do you think, Larry? Since you're the, you're the one that you're the, the fan of the team that has that's in that situation, are you? Would you? Well, are you glad they threw Trubisky in, or would you rather them stuck with Glennon longer? It was more of a we didn't have a choice anymore because I was I was in the minority where I was saying that I wanted Trubisky to sit because, you know, and, it, and the thing was I had kind of a different look on it was that it's not because Trubisky isn't the best quarterback on our roster because he proved that he was during the preseason. It wasn't that I didn't think he could do the job because I did think he could. It was we're not a very good football team right now. Brian and I talked about it on the show, talking about RG3 and, and, and David Carr. But like, I don't want him to get out there and be broken in his rookie year. And when we do finally improve and get some better pieces around him, we've already ruined him and he's no good to us. So I would rather watch Glennon go out there and do the things that he can do or can't and what we ended up finding out. But, you know, I would rather do that and let Trubisky watch and learn than throw Trubisky out there. It's just that in those first four games, Glennon was so epically bad that we basically did not have a choice. Or you know, it's, it's it, hamstringing it, your We team. just didn't have a choice. And yeah. To, yeah. to expand on that, um, what I had said to him was every team wants Matt Ryan and Joe Flacco out of the quarterbacks that they draft now in the first round. And arguably, they're coming out rawer than, you, than they were like years past because of the fact that 
the offenses that they're playing and may not really translate to the NFL right away. And obviously, you know, a quarterback who's good, who can throw the ball well, is going to do well in the NFL as long as you build it right. But <clears throat> RG3 came out and he needed a more limited offense and a limited read offense. And it's just tough because, like, you throw a guy out there, they're human beings. Like, we look at the NFL players as, like, you know, they should be doing this or that based on their draft status and their size and their 40-yard dash time and yada, 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 but they're human beings. And, like, you throw a quarterback out there his first two seasons, he gets knocked around, throws a ton of picks, you ruin his confidence. Like, when you invest those kind of those kind of resources into a player, you want long-term dividends out of it. And I think the problem is a lot of teams do that and then – throw the guy to the wolves and they end up getting broken and you don't get the long-term dividends out of them. All right. Can I, here's my take. Uh, I disagree with all of you. Of course you do. All right. <laughs> if I was that possible. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah, you I was going to say, how is it that we, we all had three different opinions. We all had three different opinions. How do you disagree with well, all we, of well, us? No. Okay. Well, Brian and Brad both said, well, for the most part, I, because I think if, if I'm, a, if I'm a coach, and I draft, and I have a highly touted rookie quarterback that I take to the top of the draft. I want, I do want them to get thrown to the wolves because I want to see how they respond to adversity. Because if if they're fragile enough to buckle when things don't go their way early in their career, that's a red flag on their character to me. Um, as a fan, like like Larry's saying, if if they're in a situation like Jared Goff with Jeff Fisher as his coach, as a fan, I wouldn't want that just because they're playing underneath like an archaic coach that's not going to put them in a good position to succeed. But if I'm running a team, I want to see how they, they re- respond. Because, I mean, like, look what Cam Newton did. He came in right away with no offseason, and he, he tore it up. Uh, Andrew Luck came in as a rookie, tore it up. Like, the ones that are good are usually good from the start, if you know what I mean. Like, Deshaun Watson has been this year, Dak Prescott last year. Like, there aren't very many quarterbacks that come in, look awful, get their confidence ruined, and then, like, grow into the role like either they're good or they're not and in, in, to I, an extent can i have can i give you the counter argument there for those guys no all right i'll shut my mouth <laughs> yeah go ahead go ahead no you go ahead so i i agree to an extent that you do want to get those guys out there and the ones that are good typically succeed right away but look at the offenses that were handed to cam andrew Locke, and dak prescott i mean Cam Newton's defense sucked, but in his first year, you know, he had Jordan Gross, he had Travell Wharton, he had Ryan Khalil, he had Greg Olson, who they stole from the Bears. Once again, sorry, Larry. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, we did it to ourselves, man. Jeremy Shockey <laughs> at tight end. They had Steve Smith, who was still pretty good. Brandon LaFell, who came out in his second year. You know, like, that offense wasn't bad, and they, they had two top-level tight end options there. What about, Along with, obviously, D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart, who were both like kind of in their prime at that time. What about guys um, like uh, Andrew Luck, who came into an offense on a team that went 2-14, and, and his best weapon was a rookie third-round pick in T.Y. Hilton, and tight end Kobe Fleener, who's in but, fact bad. And his offensive so, line was also bad. So, But Andrew Luck came in. He he still had Reggie Wayne. He still oh, yeah, had, I forgot about Reggie Wayne. Yeah, like... T.Y. Hilton, you know, like that, most of that offense that was there was the offense that Peyton Manning thrived with in Indianapolis, you know. Um, I I think that he had less to work with than uh, Cam did his first year, as far as the offense goes, so I will give you that, but he still had, you know, good receiving pieces there. 
Yeah, and yeah, uh, obviously Dak Prescott came into an offense that was pretty much tailor-made to be dominating in the NFL just because of how good their offensive line was. So I'm just saying, you throw any of those three into Cleveland's offense, I don't know how good they're going to be. I don't you know? think they'll play well, but I think, like, I don't think that would ruin their careers, if you know what I mean. Like, No, but, but you have to think about it from the mindset of, like, Cam Newton obviously has always been one of those guys where he plays based on his emotional level. Yes. Like he's always been a competent guy. I don't know about Andrew Luck. I mean, usually he's either playing well or injured, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Just, um, just and, based on the yeah. fact that he compliments guys for get, like knocking them over and stuff like that, I just I can't imagine Andrew Luck has any like real human being emotions when he plays football. Exactly. And Dak, we've only seen one season out of where he had, you know, the best rushing attack in football. So it's just one of those things where it's like you build around your quarterback, but the quarterbacks who usually come in to succeed already have something built around them. Like Deshaun Watson's offense is DeAndre Hopkins, who you could consider one of the, like, He's one of, if not top receivers in football. Um, and Will Fuller's a great complimentary piece. Their offensive line is pretty good. They got Dwayne Brown on, at left tackle, Lamar Miller. And their defense is obviously, you know, top shelf. So you throw any, any like, relatively competent quarterback. I mean, Tom Savage led them to the playoffs last year, I believe. Um, Tom Savage was know, not good at the beginning of this year, though. That was... Yeah, he got savaged. Ha. 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 So it's just one of those things where there's multiple variables that go into that, as Brad said. It's not like a one-to-one question, but those quarterbacks who come into situations like Cleveland, it's hard for them to succeed That's when they're guess. trying to put everything on their back. You know, that, that was the point I was making. That's kind of what, how I feel it would have been for Trubisky if they decided to throw the ball 30 times a game. So... Larry, since we've been talking a lot without letting you talk, um, what has Trubisky shown that makes you excited? Since, obviously, his numbers aren't going to be great because Don Fox won't let him throw, and his supporting cast is bad. But, like, what does he show as an individual player? Well, I mean, he he kind of he hits all the points. You know, he, he looks like a confident kid. You know, he looks the part more than anything. You know, he looks like a... You know, like he's in great shape. He's a handsome guy. You know that for some reason that, that <laughs> always that. that always adds up. It always adds it's up. It's an you important know? thing. Like look at Brady Quinn. It does. And but uh, you know Brady Quinn. Come on. <laughs> but you know he he does have a great arm. He does have an accurate. You know he is accurate with football. In the time that we have seen him play, he's good at protecting the football. The only time he's been guilty of turning it over is when he gets blindsided from behind, and we have our piece of shit left tackle to thank for that but you know um you know it just uh, he he basically all the things that we've been missing he seems to have right now he just has to be more consistent like he's like i, I didn't get to watch him the last week but against the vikings he made some incredible throws especially on the move he'll he'll put it on a spot from 30 yards away while he's on the run yeah it's, he can it's, do that sure. it's something you can't teach which is always weird to me that people think that they can just like draft a big, strong quarterback and teach him how to be accurate. Well, he had two really amazing throws on Sunday against mm-hmm. the Ravens. The one was for the, the oh. touchdown pass to Deion Sims, mm-hmm. and then the pass to Kendall Wright that set up the game-winning field goal. That was a, that was where a fantastic up, pass. Yeah, he stepped up in the pocket and then seemed to like jump up in the air backwards and then rifle the a perfect strike. Uh, to Kendall Wright, put it where only he was going to be able to get it, and he comes down with it. On third and 11, they get 13, 
and move the chains and, and set up a field goal. Yeah, it was like coming like across his body through a small window. Yeah. Like off, yeah. off balance. Nailed that, bro. Nailed that was, it. So that's the stuff that, yeah, that makes you excited. That's got to make you excited because that's like no matter how long you let somebody like develop, so to speak, like if they can't do that, they just can't do that. Like you can't teach that kind of perception and, and accuracy. Like Mike Glennon's not making a throw like that at any point in the rest of his life. No. No, God, no, no, he wouldn't do it. First of all, he would have, he would have folded and panicked being in, in the pocket like that. I mean, that was the other thing that we saw that was night and day between Trubisky and Glennon was even in the preseason. If any pressure got around him, it's like he didn't know what to do. Glennon, you know, Glennon, he like he he just panicked, like you know, like that little kid that you always hated in school, like eh, <laughs> before you went to go, you know, the kid that you bullied or something like that, and you bullied him because he sucked, it's like you know what, I, I don't like you, so I'm just going to bully you. And, you know, he's always, eh, anytime you get around him, you know, he's flinching for no reason. Yeah. That's what Glennon would do in the pocket. Trubisky, on the other hand, he's the one that will step up, find, you know, move around in the pocket or run to, to you know, to advance the ball or to get it out of harm's way. Glennon, on the other hand, he would just fold and fall down. He would fumble the ball. You know, it was it was pathetic to watch, actually. I have a good question for you. Uh, how many times this year has Mike Glennon fumbled the ball without being touched, or had a like a like a deep pass fall like fifteen yards short because he just like threw a duck? Oh, it happened a few times. <laughs> That's for sure. You guys, Brad, yeah. Brian, do you remember the game when we played him when he was on the Bucks? Um, they had the ball in the red zone, and he like rolled out to his left, and he turned to throw it, and he just dropped the ball uncontested, and we recovered the fumble. You're talking about that was actually Josh McCown. Mm, it was Mike Glennon. Was it Mike Glennon? Are yeah. you sure? Yeah. Well, I mean, Josh McCown and Mike Glennon are basically the same guy. So <laughs> no, I, I thought it was McCown who threw the ball up there that Roman Harper easily no, no, no. intercepted. No, 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 that like, was. He was. It was Charles okay. Johnson was rushing him, and it was like Mike Glennon had rolled out to the left, and he when he turned to throw it as he like cocked the ball back, it just he just dropped it for no like no contact at all. That's right. Oh, that's dude. I, I'm sorry, I confused those two moments. <laughs> No, a fantastic moment as a Panther fan. I think that's also the same game where he he tried to throw a deep ball down the sideline and he pulled his whole weight back and heaved it and he threw a duck that was like twenty. Like the receiver stopped and was running backwards to try to stop it from getting intercepted and we intercepted it. Oh my god, Mike! <laughs> like the most like for somebody that's like six foot twelve, I know that's seven feet. Um, he. Seems completely incapable of having of holding the ball. Like he has the smallest hands for someone his size in the world. He is the textbook definition of what you described in the past, John, of the quarterback that every NFL team wants. The guy who's really tall, white, and can kind of throw it. <laughs> that's that's who he is. <laughs> yes. Except the oh, whole. Man. Except I've just I've never seen a quarterback that just loses the ball for no reason as much as Mike Lennon. <laughs> I've also never seen a quarterback that that's that unathletic in all my yes, life. He's, oh yes, <laughs> he is the most unathletic athlete in the history of sports. There is some picture, and I can't find it. I've been looking everywhere for it. It's one of those pictures, like you versus the guy they told you not to worry about pictures, and it shows Mike Glennon at a press conference, and he's got like a little gut, and he's got like no muscle definition anywhere in his body, and you know he's he's got like the he's all like pale and stuff. And then they show Mr. Trubisky, who like like Larry was saying, he's he's all he's bronze and he's a good looking guy, and he's got like real like good defined arms and shoulders and stuff. And it's like, how are these two people like playing the same job in professional sports? 
competing for the same job. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. Well, and then the and then the former was the one who uh, quote unquote won the job originally. It was, yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a pretty race. I mean, Glennon Glennon made it way more dramatic than it needed to be <laughs> because he was supposed to be the guy from day one, and Trubisky was supposed to learn. The Bears were adamant, and even Glennon was saying until he was blue in the face. 2017 is my year. 2017 wow. is my year. And then his first pass in the preseason was a 50-yard pick six against the Broncos. <laughs> in the preseason, he said, you know? "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah in the preseason." That. What's that? How much money are they paying him? Uh, it's three years, like nineteen million dollars a year. It's like, well, it's it's sixteen this year, and it's uh, and almost all of it is guaranteed, and then it's like eighteen and a half million guaranteed total. So if the Bears cut him after this season, which is looking like a very high probability at this point, um, they only take a two point five million dollar cap hit. So they basically, it's a a one-year, sixteen-million-dollar deal that we signed Glenn into. They have to cut. Like him. I okay. said to you guys before on the podcast, by the way, just saying. What? 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 And it was essentially a one a oh, one-year yeah, deal yeah. if they want if they wanted to cut him this year. But no, no one ever listens to me. No, I listen stupid. to you, Brian. Fine. I just don't care what you say. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, since you aren't tired, since I know you're chomping at the bit, um. I know you said he's out after this year. How infuriating is it as a Bears fan to be have John Fox as the team's coach? Well, you know what? I was thrilled when we first hired him because really? oh, well, I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> because well, Mark, Mark Tressman was such a oh, glorious glorious mistake. Oh, yeah, because okay. our choices were Mark Tressman or Bruce Arians, and we picked Mark Tressman. <laughs> Uh, okay, that's where the beginning went. That's where it just began to fall apart. I can see um, where, we where John Fox would definitely good picked having... the wrong guy, yeah. you know. Um, and I was also sick of the Bears hiring whoever the hot coordinator was or anything like that. And oh, and it always was that the this guy's first head coaching job, you know, at any level. He's been a coordinator and a uh, assistant coach his whole life. Now he's going to be a head coach for the first time on my team. And I just wanted the Bears to hire someone who had been a head coach before, who had some kind of experience, and then out of nowhere, John Fox became available. You know, even after the, you know, the Broncos win, you know, won four straight division titles, they're, you know, going to Super Bowls and things like that. And, you know, Fox came up short in 2014, and next thing you know, he's the Bears head coach. So at first I was excited. And in the beginning – we saw a huge difference between what a Mark Tressman coach team looked like and a John Fox team looked like. And I mean that in a positive way, like guys actually looked like they had, were being coached. What does a and Mark then, Tressman coach team look like? Sorry to interrupt. Well, that's where the inmates are running the asylum. Okay. So he just had no you know, control over the team the, at all. No control over the team. He had this genius idea in 2014 that there were going to be no captains. Hmm. No I captains. thought that was so your requirement. Well, you, you, you're wanting to have a leaderless football team, basically, is what he was doing. Instead of having the guys sitting with their positions in the locker room, he spread them out all over the, the line. Basically, he just did everything the opposite of what you would want to do, just for the sake of doing it, because obviously it didn't work. He tried and, to put everybody, like, the, what sounds good in theory, like, we're going to make everybody equal here, and everybody's going to interchangeable and get along, but then... There's no like position group identity and chemistry built like within like your linebackers aren't all 
you know, like buddy buddy and all that kind of stuff, like which is hugely important. Right. So there was no chemistry on the team, and you know, like I said, there was a lot of fighting uh, going on. Some in the press, some out of the press. That whole Aaron Cromer uh, business, where he was the one talking to the press behind everyone's back about how Cutler was a disappointment and they didn't like him and all that kind of his offensive coordinator was saying this and then <laughs> when i i knew it was over i knew it was over for not just for cromer but for um tressman when tressman didn't fire him the moment it became known that cromer was the guy there were like six weeks left in the season and he was still with the team they should have they should have fired him when your you offensive know, coordinator just, publicly comes out and criticizes your quarterback for being a dislikable person yeah it's probably some someone's got to go. Yeah, yeah. But instead, they all oh, they glossed it over. Oh, we talked about it. It's okay or anything. Yeah, no, no, you did, you did not. So, but when Fox comes around, there's a little. You see, we some more discipline. And in year one, it seemed like if not for injuries, the Bears could have been a better team than they were in 2015. They, they, you know, they seemed to that we were in games. We were competitive in 2014. It was a nightmare. It was the first time in my life that I ever said. I can't wait for the season to be over. When it comes to football, I don't ever say that. I don't want the season to ever end. But that 2014, I could not wait for the year to be over because I just couldn't stand to watch it anymore. I'm looking you know, at you guys. I could not Are right you two guys having flashbacks? Because I'm having flashbacks. No, I'm looking at the Bears' schedule 2014, and it's bad. They had a they had yeah. they had a stretch. They had two games in a row with a bye week in the middle where they lost 51 to 23, and then 55 to yeah. 14. Oh yeah, and the the best part about that fifty five to fourteen is that it was forty two to nothing at halftime. God, Jesus! So we we lose to the Patriots fifty five to whatever it was. Yeah. We got two weeks to prepare for Green Bay on Sunday Night Football, and at halftime it's forty two to nothing. Headline: Aaron Rodgers tosses six touchdowns in first half. Yeah, six touchdowns in the first half. You know, and it was one of those games where Rodgers could have shot the football out of his ass, and the guy would have still been <laughs> wide open. And, you know, nobody was in ten, within 10-yard 10 radius of Jordy Nelson on one touchdown pass. And I knew the second, I mean, Rodgers was scrambling, rolling to his right. You know, he could have thrown it behind his back. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, that guy's going to be wide open. I just know it. And sure enough, standing wide open, waiting for the ball. <laughs> like, like he's about to return a punt, waiting for the ball. Nobody's within a mile of him, and he just trots into the end zone. I mean, it was ridiculous watching. I wanted to shoot myself at halftime. I was like, I can't stand to, to watch this. And we got seven more games after this. So, you know, having Jesus. Fox come in 2015, you know, we're a competitive football team. We're taking teams to the wire. You know, we're still struggling a bit on offense, but the defense looks better. It's keeping us in games. We beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers on Thanksgiving night on Brett Favre Jersey retirement night on Thanksgiving. You know, it's like that, that was that how many sweet. things could have been stacked against the bears to not win that game. It's national TV, it's at Lambeau, it's on Brett Favre Jersey retirement night. There's no way in hell we're winning this game, and we did. You know, and we were in games like that, but if, if we'd have been able to stay healthier, we lost a lot of key guys in 2015, we feel like the team could be better. So we were optimistic about 2016. And then in 2016, we kept getting hurt, and now we're adding with penalties, we're turning over the football, Cutler's in and out of the lineup, and when he's in the lineup, he's, not, he's terrible, and you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and then 2017, here we go again. More penalties, more inconsistent play, you know, and, and the whole thing of, of sticking to his guns with Glennon for 
four weeks when he sh- probably shouldn't have started week one. You know, it's like people are, are counting the moments until the season's over so we can get rid of Fox and work yeah, on somebody it's, new. It's not even halfway through the season yet. How does he make a bunch of? Uh, does he still do a bunch of infuriatingly conservative calls, like I don't know, like punting from like the thirty-five yard line or like oh my god, on fourth um, and inches when you're like in the opponent territory. <laughs> The Monday night game against Minnesota, our first six offensive drives ended in Minnesota territory. Um, and they were all punts. Yeah, there was, there was one time we punted from the 37. Yeah, we punted from the 35 down two scores earlier this year. Not happy about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're so, still mad yeah, about every, that. Yeah, every one of our first half uh, drives ended in Minnesota territory, and we punted every single time. So... And I'm sure fourth and one, fourth and two, we're punting instead of trying to go for it. When you have Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, and, I mean, I know you maybe don't trust the rookie quarterback, but, I mean, you at least trust, like, Jordan Howard, right? Or you should? Well, I mean, the thing about it is, like, uh, in the um, in the fourth quarter of the Ravens game, um, we're up 24 to 16. We're trying to run out the clock. Um uh, Jordan Howard gets eight yards on second down, so now it's third and one. And everybody on the planet knows that Jordan Howard is getting this ball. And I'm just begging once, one time, <laughs> can we do like a play action or a, like a little anything, anything to not do what I know we're about to do? Because the Ravens had their entire defensive roster on the field waiting for us to run the football. Sure enough, we do. Jordan Howard loses two yards. We punt, and this guy runs it back for a touchdown. The next thing I know, we're going to overtime. I think John so, Fox coaches both of our teams simultaneously. <laughs> so it's uh, you know it's it's aggravating uh, to watch, and and you know I've uh, been condemning the existence of Dole Loggins, our offensive coordinator, but I keep hearing that his lack of imagination or the fact that he just it's run on first and second down, and then unless it's you know, we're going to run on third down as well, especially if it's third and 23. What, you know, let's run the ball on third and it's 23. Why don't we do that? The only time you They'll throw never it on third, see it coming. The only time yeah. you throw it on third down is if it's between, like, third and seven and third and ten. Like, if yeah. it's more than third and ten, you're like, ah, oh, this possession's a loss. Just go ahead and do a halfback draw. But if it's less than third and seven, you're like, oh, we can pick this up on the ground. Yeah. So, I mean, you would think that it was like that old school video game, Tech Mobile, <laughs> where you only have four plays to choose from. That's the, That's the entire playbook. For the Bears, it's Jordan Howard right, Jordan Howard left, Jordan <laughs> Howard up the middle, throw it on third down. That's it. That's the entire playbook. <laughs> That's our, that was our playbook. Are, are we still talking about the Bears, or do we move on to Mike Tula's <laughs> offense? The only way you can differentiate between the Bears and the Panthers between the years of 2002 to now is that he's a Jordan Howard. Yeah. So Exactly. We do the same thing. We have the same issue where it's like it's third and one or it's fourth and one. And we do the thing that every team does for some reason. Where they're like, all right, guys, we need to pick up a short amount of yardage. Let's put all of the big guys we can find as close as we can to the ball and try to run right at them. Yeah. As if that's the best. And then and then everybody knows it's coming. And then if you've watched any Panthers games this year, you'll know that it doesn't ever work for us. We don't get <laughs> enough push. We don't. It, it's like every first down inside the five, every third and short, we just go jumbo package. Hand it off to Stewart. He gets plowed in the backfield, and we lose yards. And now we're in the worst position. And it's like. Our quarterback's Cam Newton. Like, either you can make him, you can do play action, roll him out, or just just let him run. 
Just, just yeah. do like the Wildcat. Just let, let him run with an extra blocker. And yeah, Trubisky, he's good on his feet. He's he's good on the run. He oh, can roll out. Yeah, he's and he's, he's also actually good at rolling to his left as well, mm-hmm. which you don't see a lot for a right-handed quarterback to throw, you know, to throw when you're rolling to your to your weak side. And, you know, third and one, let's bootleg. You know, let's do something. Give the kid a chance. All you have to do is just tell him to run to the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Just run to the sideline. We're just trying to get a first down here. And if we get a first down, we win the game, period. Baltimore's out of timeouts. We don't have to punt the ball back. The game is over. You know, there's like a buck 55 to go in the game. We get that first down. The game is done. But instead, you know, like you said, let's get three tight ends out there, stack them, and then get to the offensive line. Let's all bunch them up together in the middle of the field and then run at that mass of humanity <laughs> and try to get three feet out of it. And we didn't. It's, we got I, it's, it's, it's something, surprisingly enough. It's something that I'll make fun of every single time coaches do it, and it's going to happen every single week. It's it's It's... Like, I don't care how good your line is. You're still just putting a wall of human beings in your own way. Yeah, that's all you're doing. So, I mean, it's it always, you know, baffles me to see it done over and over again. And I was like, the, the actual percentage of this working cannot be that high that they just keep doing it. I know. It just it doesn't make any sense. But there's a lot of stuff that, that goes on in, the mind, in, like, I guess it's, like, conventional wisdom in, in football that people don't ever put any, like, advanced thought into. Like, wait. Maybe we've been doing this wrong all along. Like I saw, I heard somebody say, and I have I've not done any research to, to back it up, but it sounds right. Like if you get if you move the pocket like inside the five yard line, like if you get like roll out and get the ball outside, your chances of scoring skyrocket. Mm-hmm. Just because it's I just, can see that. Yeah, because I mean it's it's like I mean uh, who did it? Somebody did like a jet sweep at the goal line last on Sunday, and it was like. How on earth do you stop that? Like they just like it might have been the Titans or somebody. They just like took a snap and handed it off to a guy running full speed across the formation. It was the Texans, I think. Yeah, actually. maybe. I think it was the Texans. Yeah, 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 the Texans did that. It was Braxton Miller. Yeah. Yeah, they they had no receivers out to the left. They had him go on a full sprint across the formation, just took a snap and handed it to him. And it's like, how are you ever supposed to stop that? But nobody else yeah. does it. Okay, so um. I do want to get into, uh, just to give our listeners some perspective on the Bears, since we have a guest on here, obviously. So, uh, Larry, um, mm-hmm. coming up for this week's game, I'm sure a lot of Panthers fans out there don't know a whole lot about the Bears, aside from, obviously, Jordan Howard, um, Tariq Cohen, um, Mitch Trubisky, you know. So who on offense could be an X Factor or somebody that we may not see coming that could be a high a, a contributor that could cause some problems for the Panthers defense. Well, I mean, because we're so one dimensional on offense as far as running the ball, anyone who's made a difference, we've already you guys already know. <laughs> but someone who could potentially like if we decide to maybe mix it up a little bit and run some play action or do some rollouts, then uh Kendall Wright is good. Uh our wide receiver, he's a good slot receiver coming across the Middle or maybe even uh, Zach Miller, um, Deion Sims, when he proves not to be allergic to the football, he's pretty good at, uh, you know, catching it from time to time. You know, he always seems to make the difficult catch. Like he was wearing Tony Jefferson like a bathing suit, came down with the football for the touchdown, but he's wide open in the middle of the field and all of a sudden it's skipping right off the atmosphere and going into space. So um, 
you know, basically it would be tight ends mostly that I would be concerned about would be Sims or or Miller because uh, the wide receivers don't exactly make a dent on our offense this year. I don't know any of your wide receivers after Kendall Wright. Yeah, I don't really know them either. You know, I, mean, <laughs> I don't think they've met each other. I mean, that's how they still got know, the name tags how, on the helmets you know, for practice. Yeah, yeah, they do. So I mean, it's uh, Tanner Gentry, who was somewhat the star of the preseason in the passing game, seemed to have a lot of chemistry with uh, Trubisky. They brought him up from the practice squad to start against the Ravens, and he caught zero passes on Sunday. So what a letdown! A lot of a lot of good that did. So um, there yeah. you go. Well, um, let's look at the defense then. Um, yep. Who on the defense could you see making a big impact against the Panthers? They're obviously, like I said to you before, high power rushing offense, and no matter how much we, how much, no matter how much we hate it, they're going to drag us kicking and screaming into a power rushing attack. <laughs> um, so, who who do you see being an, being? a contributor or an X-factor or a high-impact player for the Bears' defense? The one player that you have to make sure you either know where he is or know who's blocking him on every defensive snap is Akeem Hicks. He's our our defensive end in the 3-4. He's a defensive end, and he is an absolute monster on the field. Number one, he's a massive human being, and and number two, he's he's just as good as rushing the passer as he is defending uh, the run. The Bears stole him in free agency for a, a two-year, $10 million deal, and in that one year, he earned a $48 million extension that he signed just before the season Jeez. started. I mean, he was a beast for us. Wasn't he? Lad, not to mention, he was the last man standing as far as being the only healthy defensive player that played all 16 games last year. I'm surprised he was so, actually So, I mean, but he was... Wasn't he really good well, in New Orleans before you signed him? He was good in New Orleans. He was good in in New England, but somehow kept getting bounced around from one team to the next and hit the free agent market last year, and we snagged him up for close to nothing. And now he's being paid like he deserves to be because he's he's an elite defensive player for sure. Which which offensive lineman does he think will play over? Does he play over the left guard or the right guard? He's usually on the the left-hand side. Okay, so... So for Panthers fans, obviously, he's going to play against Andrew Norwell and Matt Khalil, which is probably the weaker side of the line at this point. Yeah. They do like to move him around, but he's usually on the left side. Yeah. Are you, How bad are your linebackers? You know what? It's, um, it's an improving thing. We'd be a lot better if Jarrell Freeman was healthy because mm-hmm. he got hurt week one against the Falcons, played the entire – because he hurt his – he tore his pectoral muscle on the first defensive snap of the game and played the entire game with that torn muscle. Um, yeah, and he was a, he was a, he led the team in tackles in the game. He was a monster uh, against the Falcons, and then we find out the next day that he played 99% of the game with one arm, basically. And, um, you know, he had to have surgery. He's done for the season. Uh, Trevathan, um, we weren't, honestly weren't expecting much from Danny Trevathan this year because he blew out his... Um, his um, PCL, his patella tendon, um, week 10 of last year, and somehow showed up to camp 100%. He's been fine, if not for the one-game suspension he served against the Vikings for damn near killing Devontae Adams. Um, you know, he's, been, he's played every defensive snap out there, and he's been awesome this year. Um, Nick Kwiatkowski, who was our fourth-round pick last year, 
um, also tore his pectoral muscle, but he doesn't require surgery Jeez. like Freeman does. He's been practicing. He's actually going to be playing soon. I don't know what his, what his status is for this week, but he was limited in practice last week, and I'm interested to see how he's going to do this week and when he'll be healthy again. But Christian Jones is solid, if nothing else, at linebacker. Inside is good. Outside is where the concern is because Leonard Floyd is spotty at best. You know, he can show flashes of being the next DeMarcus Ware, and then he can absolutely disappear in the game. And uh, Pernell McPhee is better against the run than he is at rushing the passer. Yeah, I just, I didn't, like, that was, my question was based off of what I heard watching the game against the Vikings, I think. I think John Gruden mentioned something about you guys had, like, a kind of a, who's, you kind of, did, nobody knew who was out there. Like, you had a bunch of new faces that were playing from week to week, and it was, and I didn't know anything about it, so I didn't know if you guys had like a weak unit or if you had a lot of injury issues or what. But I guess it's it's definitely an injury issue. We were playing with our I think our fifth and sixth inside linebacker in that game. Yeah, that make that would under, that would make sense why you would make that comment. That would be that sounds like uh, us with running backs. A couple, like what ten years ago was it now? Eleven years ago. Yeah, something like that. We're down to like <laughs> our we were like at our sixth string running back by the time we got to the NFC Championship game. Yeah, I, I, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> 2005, when you guys beat us in the divisional round. Oh, that was the Steve Smith game, wasn't it? Yes, yes it, was. it was. That was the Steve yep. Smith playoffs. Yeah. Missed that guy. All right. So, um, we're getting to the, well, for over the hour mark. It's been so. an hour since we started to actually being on the show. So... so. Let's go around and get our uh, our projections for the game, aka the uh, the score. So uh, I'll start with Brad since he's been fairly silent for the last I don't know how long. Brad, how do you see this game going? I believe the Panthers are going to win. Uh, I think they are better than the Bears at this point. Um, and it's a road game for Carolina, which we've seen that they're they're playing much better on the road than at home for some reason this year. Uh, I think Carolina's going to win somewhere like 27-13, somewhere in that range. All right. I'll go to you, John. What's your projection? I'm going to say 26 to 10. Panthers. We're going to kick a lot of field goals. All right. <laughs> Larry, what do you think? Well, you know, I um, like I was when, when Brian and I were talking on, on my show, the, the thing that's been uh, infuriating about the Bears is that they can have one week where they look outstanding. Like week one against the Falcons, we take them to the absolute limit. We look like, I mean, it was, the, people were so excited. You'd have thought we won after that game. Mm-hmm. We were just completely jacked with how well they played against the, the Falcons. They, you know, came down to the last play of the game. We should have won the game, you know, all this and that. And then we never got off the bus against Tampa Bay. We turned the ball over four times before that first half was over. We're down 26 to nothing at halftime. I mean, we just, we look like the worst Pop Warner team, and that's an insult to Pop Warner team, how bad the Bears were in that game. Then you follow it up the week later, we take Pittsburgh to the woodshed for three and a half quarters before, you know, giving them that game back before we had to win it in overtime and then embarrass ourselves on national TV against the uh, Packers. So, I mean, it's, 
It really just varies week to week. We have no idea which team is going to show up. Is it the team that almost, you know, stole the first game of the season against the NFC champs? Or is it the team that, you know, never got off the plane in, in Tampa Bay and just looked like the worst football team ever assembled? So, you know, but all things being equal, the Panthers are a better football team than the Bears right now. And I would have to go with the Panthers winning, but how much they win by will be determined by the Bears themselves. If they come in and they keep the penalties down, they don't turn the football over, it'll be a tight game, like 20 to 17, 23 to 20, something like that. If the Bears come out and perform like they did against Tampa Bay or Green Bay, this thing will be an embarrassment that I will wish I had. I will wish I didn't live on the ground floor so I could throw myself out a window <laughs> by the end of the football game. So it'll be really, really close, or Carolina will absolutely cream us on Sunday. So, but I believe either way, the Panthers are going to win. I um, I like, I like, I like how extreme your your despair can get. Well, that's how extreme yeah. they've been this year. <laughs> that's how extreme they've been. You know, they come out, they look amazing, they look like they could play with anybody, and then the week ne- the week after, they couldn't beat me and ten of my closest friends in a pickup game. It that's how bad they look. You know, on a week to week basis, you just don't know which team is going to show up. Like winning on the road at Baltimore was the last thing in the world I expected last Sunday, but they somehow pulled it off and. You know, because they kept the penalties low, they won the turnover battle. And, you know, the next thing you know, we got a victory. But we'll come in on on Sunday. We'll turn the ball over four times before halftime and we'll lose 31 to nothing or something yeah. crazy. It wouldn't surprise me if it went down that way. That's what I'm saying. You guys have been very up and down. I'm looking at it like you, like you said. It's been back and forth, good and bad, good and bad. Uh, last yeah. week was good. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see if the trend holds up. Yeah. So... To give you my perspective, and by the way, just uh, self-plugging here, last week I called that the Panthers lose to the Eagles, even though the Eagles guy was on here, and he called the Panthers a win. No, so, he said the Eagles were going to win because, because you said you made a comment about um, – you made some sort of comment about him, like, disappointing that he picked the Eagles to win. We're like, no, 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 you picked the Eagles to win, too. Can't be disappointed that the Eagles fan picked the Eagles. Or am I misremembering that? I'm pretty sure he picked the the Panthers to win, but back me up, bro. I'm not gonna pull it up. I'm pretty sure Brian's wrong. Yeah. Well, fair enough. But anyway, <laughs> regardless, I still picked the Panthers to lose. So, um, I expect this game to go to 17 to three to 13 Panthers because I think the Bears front seven is gonna give the Panthers a lot of problems. Um. And on top of that, they have a lot of great game film to watch from last week against the Eagles. But I still think the Panthers will win, but I think it'll be a very close game. What was the score you so, said? 17-13. Oh, okay, 17-13. It sounded like you said 17-3-13. to to I was confused who the 13 was. I almost I said too. 3. I, meant, I, meant I thought it was an expert dig at the Bears going 3-13, and 13, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think they'll go better right. than 3-13. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Last last year was a long year, man. We we won every four weeks until I mean we went zero and three one week four lost three in a row one week eight one, lost three in a row won the last game against San Francisco and then we went zero for four in the fourth quarter of the season. So it was it was a long year last year. At least you got like the wing wins sprinkled in there. Like you didn't win go start like three and two and then lose eleven in a row or whatever. Like like the Forty ers last year. 
Or like the Panthers did way back when. Yeah. Started 1-0 and oh, then lost yeah. 15 straight. Yeah. yeah. 2001, we started 1-0 and and then lost 15 in a row. That sucks. Wasn't that Chris Winkie? Bye-bye, George Seifert. That was Chris Winkie's rookie year, I believe. When he was 36 years old? Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the worst thing about it, that 2001 team – was actually way better than the 2010 team that went two and 14 because the 2001 team, yes, they lost 15 games, but uh, I don't remember exactly how many it is, but like five or six of them, they lost like either in overtime or late in the fourth quarter. And it was like a a one possession game, the whole game, uh, you know, and they were in every game. They just happened to have crappy luck and lose, you know, in 2010, we just didn't belong on the same field. Like it, you know, you, you watch that Panthers team and, and one team looked like an NFL team and the other team didn't. And it was clear, you know, which team was better than the other one. Yeah. We went one of 15. We lost two games in overtime and then we lost, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven other games by one score or less. Yeah, I, I knew we were in most of those games, yeah. and there were a couple that were like three points or less. Yeah, there was like a twenty-seven or like a twenty-five, twenty-four, thirteen to twelve, twenty-seven, twenty-five, uh, forty-eight wow. to fourteen, <laughs> stuff like that. You know? That would make me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you go back at two thousand ten, and you look at those losses. We were not in hardly any of those games. Like we didn't, we didn't lose any of those to last-second field goals. 34 to 3, 31 to 16, 37 13. Those are all consecutive weeks. Nice. Yeah, that was a great stretch. Our leading quarterbacks in those three games were Tony Pike, Jimmy Clausen, Brian St. Pierre. <laughs> what was that? Brian St. Pierre. What'd you say, Larry? Tony Pike? Is that what you said, the first name? Yes. Yes. I don't even know who the hell that is. He played one game. He was from Cincinnati. He played one game. We drafted him in the sixth round. He played one game, wow. completed six of twelve passes for forty-seven yards, and called it a career. <laughs> we drafted him the same year that we drafted Jimmy Clausen. We drafted two quarterbacks, and they both sucked. Yeah. Well, we had Jimmy Clausen for a year, and we learned the hard way that uh, we didn't want him anymore. <laughs> I like that. I, yeah. It's amazing that he, he he's been on what like four teams in his career. Something like Has that. Has he been Two on that for many? John Fox? Yeah, I'm surprised John Fox was like, "Yeah, that was." I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time with that guy as my quarterback. Let's 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 run it back another time. Because <laughs> our whole thing when he was here was like, uh, you know, John John Fox hates Jimmy Clausen because he's bad. And honestly, and we talked about this earlier. I truly believe that had we not played him like we did behind that crappy line and that terrible team, he might have been decent. Like, he wouldn't have been the next Tom Brady or anything, but he might have been, you know, I don't know, uh, Derek Anderson when he was good, you know, quality. He's played like, for three teams, by the he way. Would have, Just, uh, yeah, he would, he would have at least been a, a, a decent backup quarterback, but we completely ruined him. Has anybody since been as bad of a quarterback to play as many games as he did? Um, just, for, just for, you know, to, to give you some numbers, 
He completed 52% of his passes through three touchdowns in 13 games, through nine interceptions, and averaged five yards per attempt. The only guys I can think of that would be in the conversation would be some of the guys that Detroit had back mm. when they had Barry Sanders because they had some real dog but shit I mean, at like, quarterback since for Jimmy a Clawson. long time. Has anybody been as bad as Jimmy <laughs> Clausen since Jimmy Clausen? No, not, not since Jimmy Clausen, I just, no. I can't think of somebody who's been that just extraordinarily bad. Uh, Tim Tebow wasn't great as a quarterback. Tim Tebow won a playoff game. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow won a division. He at least didn't throw. Tim Tebow won a division and a playoff game in overtime. Tim with Tebow, John Fox is his quarterback. He at least threw more. Coach, I should say. He threw more touchdowns than interceptions, though. Like, not later in his career, but sure. No, like, yeah, he never threw more interceptions than touchdowns. I got it right here in front of me, Brian. <laughs> yeah, his, Brian. <laughs> I'm on his pro football reference page right this second. Brian, uh, he was you know, I really can't tonight. think of the quarterback that's been worse than Jimmy Clausen since he came into the league. Yeah, and to play like as many games as he did, like I get to like, play. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've got guys that played one game and they were terrible, but yeah, to play, yeah, I can't think of anybody to play the majority of the season and and throw three touchdowns is that's maybe that's Curtis right. Painter with the Colts. Oh, that's a good you know, one. when they went two and fourteen, that might be one. That would be about it. But that'd be the next year. I mean. Too, yeah, I, I still think they tanked on purpose to, to get Andrew Luck. but Curtis Painter, in fact, much better than Jimmy Clausen statistically. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what about Cade McNown? Cade McNown. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. Cade. This has just become like a research session to end the show. This is fun. I know. It is fun. What year? 2000, 1999-2000? We drafted him in '99, yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, statistically also much better than Jimmy Claus. Hmm. Jesus, what about Tom Savage? I can already... <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Tom Savage has had a better career than that. Just, just going off it's, the cuff here. Here's remember how yeah you said earlier that they're like we need we need to like make a poll, um, for Cats Go Treater like who can who can name a quarterback that had an extended run as bad as Jimmy Clausen's run with the Panthers. Because yes, Tom Savage. That would be fun. Other than the fact that Tom Savage has actually not ever thrown a touchdown pass, it's much better than I did not know that. He's still better than Jimmy Clausen, still better than and Jimmy he Clausen, hasn't even though. thrown a touchdown pass. Well, like wow. everything else is better than Jimmy Clausen. <laughs> he just he's thrown zero touchdowns and one interception. Wow! Wow! That's, wow. that's impressive. <laughs> that is wow! Wow! Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ! I guess I guess we'll uh, <laughs> I guess we'll end it with that the fact that Tom Savage <laughs> was a better quarterback than than Pickles Jimmy Clausen. Um, so John Brad, any lasting or uh, parting thoughts for our listeners? Uh, yeah, totally random thing. You just said um, Clausen Pickles. I want to point out that Clausen Deli Pickles are the best pickles you can buy in the grocery store. And uh, it, it, they are delicious. Yeah. My uh, stepmother worked for Clausen Pickles for about 15 years here in uh, Illinois. Oh, sweet. Almost like it was meant to be, you know, <laughs> to be on this podcast. It's a small world. Yeah. Never uh, never, never went short on pickles while she worked there, that's for sure. <laughs> that's not a bad thing, though. No. It's not no, pickles thing. are awesome. Not at all. 
They are. <laughs> so, John? No, I, I'm, all, I'm all set. Thanks for, for hanging out You're with us for, for an hour. A long time, Larry. And Larry my my pleasure, ahead. guys. Larry, go ahead and uh, give us a plug of your podcast. Let us know anything that's coming up that you got going on. But uh, You know, Chicago Bears Review. I've been uh, doing it since 2007, so I'm an old-school podcast guy. Um, the, the episode with Brian uh, will be released uh, by Thursday. Thursday night it will be out. And uh, next week we have uh, Tyler Raymond from the Who Dat podcast to, to help preview uh, Bears and Saints. Brian, did you just backdoor promote yourself by getting Larry to talk about his podcast? <laughs> he sure did. Say, Listen to the one with I Brian on it. He sure did. Talking about. That was you. I, oh my I god! You are allowed, a snake. That was that was. I simply allowed our guest to promote what's going on in his life, and he chose to use my name. I okay. That was a good move, Brian. I'm, I respect that. Move. <laughs> I don't I'm know expect what you're to see the money about. in the account by the morning, Brian. <laughs> I'm uh I would never I'm not that smart guys let's let's not let's not give myself too much credit now. I'm gonna Come give you now. the credit for that. That was good. Was yeah, good I, actually, that was impressive, even for you. <laughs> even for me. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, to everyone listening, this was the Fourth and Short podcast. Larry, thank you for coming on and talking with us. And uh, as always, it was a mild pleasure to have Brad and John on. You guys have a great night. Bye, guys. All right. Take care.
things we want in life are things we never need But we cannot stop these thoughts so we keep tearing at the seams Everything around us we try so hard to Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. Also, listen to podcasts. Check it out.